Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I'll offer my picks for each and every day of this 2023 Australian Open. Day five of the year's first major is upon us. Round of 32 play in both the women's and men's singles draw this day promises to be the best day of tennis we have had thus far in 2023. And if you listen to our mini break podcast where we recap each and every day of this Australian Open, you know one of the biggest themes I have touched on quite frequently thus far in our recaps has been the consistency of the top next-gen seeds in both the women's and men's draws. Certainly on the women's side, players like Iga Svantec, Arena Sabalenka, they look like unequivocal contenders. You also have players like Elena Rabakina, who, of course, has already captured a major title in her career. She's looked exceptional through her first two rounds of play. On the men's side, I mean, pick a name out of a hat. Daniil Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas, Yannick Sinner, Felix's ability to survive a two-sets-to-love deficit. The next gen is ready to be the now gen. And certainly, so many of them have aged into the primes of their careers. You look at the original next gen campaign, those players were born 1996 or later. If you were born in 96, you turned 27 this year. You should be in your prime. And while we still see jockeying amongst these next-gen players who are the top dogs moving forward, so many of them are going head-to-head in this third round of the Australian Open. As such, it promises to be a delightful day of tennis. It makes making predictions here on this show brutally brutally difficult. And I'm recording this podcast prior to day four completing as such. I don't have any ace of the day results for day number four, but you look at where we were heading into that day, five and 10 overall down 1.55 units. Yes, we have seen each of these players now still alive in the Australian Open, particularly on day number five, play two matches already. Yes, there are favorites. There are certainly matchup advantages that I want to explore here on today's show. But, you know, again, as much as I like to rely on the numbers, I think we're going to have to turn back to our old friend, the eye test. And certainly tennis is a sport where the eye test is valuable. You can tell if someone struggles on the forehand side, struggles on the backhand side, has a serve that is particularly attackable, fails to put a bunch of returns in play. You also have, again, a two-match sample size and really these first three weeks now to lean upon and say, okay, you are playing well, you are not. You have had an easy draw. You have not. All of these different factors now we have to begin to weigh on this show moving forward. And again, with that in mind, conservative plays here today. I mean, up and down the board, the matchups are just outstanding. You look on the women's side, you've got matchups like Krejcikova versus Kalanina. I know Krejcikova is a slam champion, but did you watch Kalanina beat Kvitova in straight sets? You have to respect the 25-year-old Ukrainian's game. Of course, certainly Keys as Azarenka. Keys 18-2 in her last 20 matches in Australia. That said, you use the eye test Boy, has Victoria Azarenka looked awfully good so far through the first three weeks of this season. She's dropped, I think, five total games through her first two matches. That feels like a battle. Jessica Pagula is probably the hottest player in women's tennis right now after beating Iga, going 4-1 at United Cup, cruising through her first two matches. But have you watched Marta Kostyuk play at all here in this 2023 Australian Open or in the first week of the season in Adelaide, the former 
one of the top juniors, I should say, in the world who has flashed this sort of capability before. I believe she made a fourth round at the French Open a couple of years ago. She seems back after a down 2022, just has centered herself, has played focused tennis from start to finish, has yet to drop a set. She has the athleticism. She has the weapons. I always say it's a diet Bianca Andreescu when you look at Marta Kostiuk, which is, by the way, a very high compliment. I mean, in terms of a ceiling, like that's how good of an athlete Kostiuk can be. That match is better than the minus 340 money line Jessica Pagula currently has attached to her. So again, that's the women's sides of things. I could argue the men's side is even more difficult to try and find any sort of value on the board. You look at the matches, certainly there are some heavy favorites. Sinner over Fucevic. Tsitsipas is a heavy favorite over Greek sport, but have you watched Greek sport plays? One to seven matches in a row to begin this 2023 season. I think he lost seven of eight to end last year, but wins a title in India, beats Botic in straight sets in round two. Like, Tsitsipas should not be a minus 1100 favorite, and yet Tsitsipas has played that well so far. You know, again, Tiafo Hatchnov, it's even money line. Each is minus 110 right now, according to DraftKings. I'll get into that match further, but no thank you. Nishioka McDonald, no thank you. Nishioka's been better of late, but heavy topspin into Mackey. We saw what he did with the lefty Nadal. It's not, I mean, it's very dissimilar, but again, Mackey's too good of a shot maker. He's coming off of the high that is beating Nadal in straight sets. I want no part of that. Shapovalov, Hercats, even minus 110 money line apiece. There are even Nori Lechechka. Like, Yuri Lechechka made the next-gen finals finals at the end of last season. Looked really good in his first two wins. Beat Chorch in straight sets in round number one. Like, yes, Nori's minus 320. That's the vomit zone. It's the parlay zone, but it's the vomit zone. There are some really tough matches. Delightful to watch, but tough matches if you're trying to make predictions as such. Again, going with the numbers, going with the eye test, playing a little bit conservative here today. I want to run you through all of the matches, also run you through my three aces of the day. So with that in mind, let's get to it. Here are my Australian Open Day 5 picks, my GSP aces of the day. Let's start with a single match money line play. There is no doubt both Danielle Collins, the defending finalist here at this Australian Open, and Elena Rabakino, the 2022 Wimbledon champion, they are each capable of playing elite power tennis. And certainly, you look for Danielle Collins, she's been forced to play some of her best tennis to get to the second round, excuse me, third round of this event. Collins, a three-set winner, 7-6 in the third uh, over Carolina Mukova in round number two. She also earned a testy three-set win over Anna Collinskaya in round number one. Collins, a quarterfinal in Adelaide, the second week of the season, wins over Teichman Pliskova there. She actually lost to Elena Rabakina, her opponent, Rabakina. I mean, each of these players seeded. Rabakina seeded uh, slightly lower than Collins. Collins 13, Rabakina 22, but you look for Elena Rabakina, who reached, uh, who won a match, Adelaide won, beat Collins before getting knocked out in three sets by the aforementioned Marta Kostyuk. She loses straight set, but a tight match to Petra Kvitova, opening round of Adelaide 2. Rabakina, though, has been excellent in this Australian Open thus far. Straight set win over Hobart champion Elisabetta Cochiretto, 5-3, and three, and then a 2-1 victory over Kaya Yuvan, where she did not face a break point. Double-digit aces won 85% of her first serve points. These are two players who are both playing well 
heading into this matchup. Two players who have had slam success within the past calendar year. That said, why am I leaning Elena Rabakina in this match? And why am I leaning with the money line more so than the game spread? Well, why am I not leaning with the game spread? I respect the fight of Danielle Collins far too much to say Rabakina is going to win by, well, it's interesting. She's a minus uh, 145 money line favorite, but you can get her minus two and a half games. So all she has to do is, again, win seven six seven five or six four five seven six uh, three plus 105 odds. You get plus money on minus two and a half games. You feel like if Rabakina wins, she probably will cover minus two and a half. Similarly, Rabakina minus one and a half, so a six and six win does the job, minus 115. You just respect the fight of Danielle Collins too much. Did you watch the ending of that Mukova match? Did you watch her find a way even when her knee, which is heavily taped, was severely ailing her throughout the course of her first round match as well? And again, these two played in the first week of the season. It was a testy three-set match where Collins played really good tennis and Rabakina had to summon her best to ultimately flip that match in three sets. Now, that said... I do lean Elena Rabakina for a couple of reasons. I mentioned one already. The left knee, or maybe it's the right knee, one of the knees for Collins, heavily taped. And that leads me into part number two. With Elena Rabakina, you know, again, the heaviness of her first serve, how aggressive she is with her first strike, that is a lot for the Collins knee to have to take, to know you're going to have to be on the full sprint to the other side of the court, each and every return point, to know that you're going to get stretched on that return of serve because of, again, the potency of that Rabakina first serve. She finished third in hold percentage last season behind Caroline Garcia and Ludmilla Samsonova. And Rabakina serving well entering this match as well. She hit the lights off her return as well against Kaya Yuvan in round number two. And, you know, again, for Danielle Collins, her serve's been hanging a bit of late. Now, she's won over 60% of her second serve points in each of her past two matches. But each of the past two returners she's played, Mukova, Kalinskaya, not going to be as relentlessly aggressive as Rabakina will be on that return. And again, I just wonder from a health perspective, I view this a little bit like the J.J. Wolf-Diego Schwartzman match. Now, Collins is healthier than Schwartzman was heading into his battle, but I just think much like Wolf, Rabakina has weapons that will ultimately overwhelm Collins, who's had to fight so hard just to get to round number three. Now, you look for Elena Rabakina uh, in terms of her career head-to-head against Danielle Collins. She actually has played Collins uh, in in the recent, I suppose, obviously, beat her in Adelaide, um, but also lost to Collins uh, in San Jose. That was a 6-6 six and six win for Collins back in August 2021. Here's the point. When these two have played, Rabakina a three-set win last week, Collins a 6-6 six and six win in, in San Jose. It's typically pretty close when these two do battle because each of them are so successful at moving the ball around the court with their first strike, and neither one of them want to be grinding around the court playing defense. So a lot of holds, a lot of tight sets. Rabakina is the healthier of the two. I think her best has been better than of the two in this Australian Open thus far. I know Collins has been more... Uh, has been more calloused up. But again, Rabakina beat her a couple of weeks ago. It was a straight set match. Uh, It was a three set match, so it wasn't like a blowout, which is really hard to duplicate. Rabakina will be ready for the test. I just wonder how much Collins has left in the gas tank. As such, I'm going Rabakina, minus 145. 
This is going to be our half-unit play. Again, my eyes tell me Elena Rabakina wins this match. Now, the numbers say Collins is a 55.5% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, but odds makers have Rabakina minus 145, which again seem to indicate they, like I think from an eye test perspective, certainly from a health perspective, she enters this match in better shape than Collins. Yeah, I don't feel great about it, but I don't feel great about anything on this board. Again, if you want more value, if she wins, she probably covers both one and a half and a two and a half game spread. Those are minus 115 for one and a half plus 105 for two and a half. But let's play it safe. Let's go with the money line. Rabakata minus 145 over Collins. Half a unit play here to win 0.34 in return. That's ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two, our first over-under of the event. I mentioned how competitive I think so many of these matches are going to be on both the men's and women's side. And, you know, again, there are eight singles matches on the men's side, eight singles matches on the women's side. I have six of the women's matches going over two and a half sets, whether it be Goff Para, I just think the heavy lefty topspin of Para, her willingness and comfort level hitting that forehand down the line. I think the heaviness of that ball is going to give the golf forehand some trouble. Now, I think golf ultimately prevails because of the totality of things she can do. And again, her backhand will be well-suited to handle the Para forehand. But I think that match is going to be more competitive than experts perhaps predict. So plus 190, I see some value there in the over two and a half sets. Ostapenko over two and a half sets feels like it's always a lock. That's plus 110. Again, Kalanina's moving so well. Krejcikova got a lot better through the course of her straight set win over Clara Burrell. Um, she really found her rhythm and, boy, her ability to lengthen the court with each and every ground stroke and create space for herself truly is remarkable. But Kalanina's is a great athlete. She absorbs pace well. She will get Krejcikova on the move. Over two and a half sets plus 100, that's entertaining to me. Uh, obviously, Collins, Rabakina, you want to hedge over two and a half sets plus 140 there. I could understand it. Keys, Azarenka, it's a toss-up. Keys has the bigger weapons right now. Azarenka is the better mover. They're both extremely fit, extremely confident. I think that's a match that goes three sets. Plus 145 feels like the play for me. Azarenka's a favorite, according to the money line. Minus 155, according to the numbers. Madison Keys is a 55% favorite. I would consider chasing Keys at plus 125, but it's just a stay away from me. I'm going to kick my feet up and enjoy that match. And then Pagula Kostyuk, again, I really do think Kostyuk, it's, this is an eye test thing. She's not a plus 265 underdog. So there's value there from that sense. She's playing extraordinarily well. Again, Pagula's really good at everything. Not good at everything, really good at everything. Kostyuk's the better athlete. The ball she's capable of hitting is more explosive. Now, that's not to say Pagula's not so better at her than things, but this is a fascinating match. And so over two and a half sets plus 150 is very entertaining to me. By the way, you can take over games 19 and a half for Pagula Kostyuk feels like a lock. You know, over 20 and a half Krejcikova Kalanina, over 21 and a half Keys Azarenka come on now. They play a tiebreaker. You feel like you're in good shape there. Those are all entertaining to me from an over perspective on the men's side. You know, again, pick a name out of a hat. Tsitsipas Greek Spore over three and a, uh, 33 and a half games. They play one tie-break set, 7-6, six, 6-4. Six, 
6-4. That's 33 games. I think that match goes four. I have too much respect for how Greek Spore is playing right now, how athletic he is, how well he absorbs pace. So over 33.5, that's a low number at minus 115. Nori Lachetchka, 36.5, minus 120. 37.5 for McDonald Nishioka, 40.5 for Hercot Shapo, Hatchinov Tiafo. You kind of need those matches to go four, if not five sets with such a high number. But anything in the low 30s I like. And that leads me to ace of the day number two. I think Daniil Medvedev's making the finals of this event. I really do. I think he has looked better, more fit than just about any other player not named Djokovic in the draw thus far. I know Djokovic worked him in Adelaide uh, in the first two weeks of the season, but man, I mean, this is a guy who's obviously coming off of an Australian Open final last year who hasn't dropped the set so far through his first two matches. That said, he gets his first significant test of the event as he is going to take on 22-year-old American Sebi Korda. And look, Korda has played like a top 10 player to start this 2023 season. He makes the final in Adelaide, you know, doesn't drop a set before having match point on Djokovic, ultimately loses that match in three. Now, he dropped a bad second set against Christian Green, but four-set win in that one, three-set win over a very much rising 24-year-old Yasuki Wanuki. Korda's got weapons. He's got size. He's got physicality, ways to make life easy for himself. He'll push forward as well to the net, be willing to serve and volley, take advantage of Medvedev's defensive court positioning. Now, this is a big test for Korda. This is likely going to be a center court match, a spotlight match. How he responds to that spotlight will be fascinating. Again, I think Medvedev wins this match in four sets, but if it goes four sets— it's going over 34 and a half games because their sets aren't going to, I don't think there's going to be another 6-1 set or at least multiple 6-1 sets. I think we're going to get a lot of 6-4s, 7-5s, even a 7-6 perhaps mixed in in sets one or two. I could see both sets going to tie breaks. They split those two. Medvedev pulls away from there. That scenario, again, 26 games through the first two sets. If they split them, you're guaranteed the over 34 and a half. I think this match is going to be really competitive. And again, the numbers agree with me. According to Tennis Abstract, Daniil Medvedev is a favorite in this match, no doubt about that, but only 62.2%, which is less so, A, than the implied odds by our friends at DraftKings, where Medvedev's a minus 475 favorite. Also, obviously, his track record of hardcore success, far more immense than Sebi Korda's. But again, I test-wise, boy, has Korda played well. I think this match is really competitive. I'm, I don't have the guts to pull the Korda plus 350 ripcord. I do have the guts to say this match goes four sets. So let's take the over 34 and a half games in Korda Medvedev, minus 130. Now, again, overs have burned me in the past, so we're only going to go quarter of a unit for to win 0.19, but I feel pretty good about that one on day number two. And again, there's uh, day number five, and there are just so many, so many good matches throughout the course of day five. Let's throw an over, kick our feet up, and hope we get as much of Korda Medvedev as possible. Day number, excuse me, ace number three involves a little parlay action because that's how we always like to end this show. Let's go with a couple of next-gen stars. Obviously, I talked about them earlier, their rise being one of the prevailing themes of this event. Yannick Sinner's yet to drop a set, and he has looked damn good on his way to round number three. After suffering an injury against Sebi Korda week one of the season, Sinner looks healthy, 
Straight set win over Kyle Edmund. Straight set win over Thomas Martin Echeverry. He would have covered six and a half game spreads in each of those matches. That's exactly what he is in his third round. Minus six and a half games over Marton Fucevic, who was pushed to five sets in round number one, four physical sets in round two against Lloyd Harris. I am well aware, you know, this feels very Ivashka-y. Ilya Ivashka pushing center two, five sets in the U.S. Open round of 16 last year. Fucevic guy with similar size, similar weapons to at least put some pressure on sinner but the sin man looks healthy he's gotten off the court so efficiently the weapons are so efficient as well sinner was him and Nadal, the only two players to get to the second week of every major last season i don't see that trend stopping here at this australian open i think sinner continues to advance in straight sets to set up a potential blockbuster fourth round with stefano Tsitsipas. give me sinner uh, minus six and a half games over Fucevic, which is minus 160 odds on its own. That's why we're going to parlay it with the surviving kid, Felix Ogier-Aliassime, the 22-year-old Canadian, a survivor, two sets to love down, wins a five-set match against Alex Molchan. He also got a four-set win over Pospisil after losing the first 6-1. He takes on Francisco Sarundolo, who just very quietly win over Gatope in straight sets in round one, a physical four-set, three-hour win over Quarantine Mute in round number two. You look for Sarundolo in his career at the ATP level on hard court. He's 10-13 and 13 overall in his last 52 weeks, 15-15 and 15 overall for his career, and that includes five ITF wins. So 10-15 and 15 overall in his career in ATP-level hard court matches. You look for him overall in his career against top 20 opponents. Uh, overall, he's 2-6 and six on hard courts, 5-11 and 11 overall against the top 20. Now, uh, you look for him. Obviously, he was able to get some good wins last year over Sinner, over Opelka in Miami, three other top 10, uh, 20 victories all coming on clay courts. And obviously that's where he's made his bank throughout the course of his career, whether it be at the challenger level, the ATP level, he's had a ton of success outside of Miami on the clay courts, but we're not on clay courts. We are on hard courts. And that's where Felix Ogieralia seems stride, uh, hits his stride. He served so much better as the match went along against Molchan. And yes, it went five sets, but he only faced five break points throughout the course of the match was broken three total times in a three hour, two minute five setter, which is pretty fast as five set matches go. He won 87% of his first serve points. Again, seemed to finally find rhythm for the first time here in 2023 by the end of that match. And that's a scary thing for the rest of the Dragon. Both these guys can rip serves, rip forehands. I like the serve of Felix better, certainly. I probably like the backhand, the depth that Surrender Low can create more frequently a little bit better, but certainly Felix is a better volleyer. It's going to be a really fun match, but I just think this is for the first time where we see Felix flex his muscles. I think this is where Felix gets his first straight set victory of the event. He's yet to have one against Rundlow through in seven sets, but Mute and Pea is a pretty generous draw for the 28th seed. Give me FAA, minus six and a half games over Sarundalo. He's getting the job done in a comfortable straight set match. We'll parlay that with Sinner, minus six and a half games. That gets us to plus 152 odds. Let's throw a quarter of a unit on it to win 0.38 in return. That's ace of the day, number three. Now, again, other thoughts as we run through all of these matches, and I suppose I'll offer a quick prediction here for all of you. 
Golf para, I already talked about it. Para, heavy lefty topspin. It can give the golf forehand some troubles, particularly with the spots para likes to hit on the serve and the plus one forehand, which she loves to hit behind opponents on that deuce side. But man, Goff's ability to absorb spin on the backhand wing, her consistent and relentless drive to continue to push forward towards the net. I think Coco wins. I think it's going to be closer than the experts predict. Ju Lin has been a sensation in this event. Sakari was lucky to escape Schneider in round number two. Again, this feels like a five and four Sakari win, but I just don't think Julin has the weapons to consistently hurt Sakari, which is what you need as Diana uh, Schneider demonstrated in round number two. I think Iga cruises, and I would even consider taking Iga minus six and a half games over Buxa if it wasn't minus 170, but I almost threw that into the parlay with Sinner and FAA as well. Who I, who knows how the Ostapenko match is going to go. <sighs> Kretschkop in three sets over Kalanina. <sighs> Keys in three sets over Azarenka. <sighs> Pagula three sets over Kostyuk. I don't feel good about any of those picks. You look on the men's side. Again, I'm taking Sinner over Fucevic. Grease Sport is going to win a set. Tsitsipas is going to win in four. <sighs> I'll take Francis, but I don't feel good about that. Mm-hmm. I'll take Mackie, but I don't feel good about it. I'll take Nori, but I don't feel great about it. Oh, man, I don't want to pick Chapo Hercats. I have no idea, no idea how that match is going to go. Give me Hubie, primetime player. He's always plays his best against the best. But, boy, that is a jam-packed, loaded day five of action. And, of course, I look forward to recapping it all for all of you tennis fans over on the Mini Break podcast feed. Of course, if you've missed any of the Australian Open action, you can catch up with all of it over there. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an any job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. With that said, your day five picks for the 2023 Australian Open. Give me Elena Rabakina, minus 145 over Collins, half a unit to win 0.34. Give me the over in Korda Medvedev. I think that match is sneaky competitive. I don't even think it's sneaky. I think Korda has been that good, and he keeps that match competitive. You take the over 34 and a half games. We're going to go minus 130 odds. We're going to go quarter of a unit to win 0.19 in return. And then, of course, a little parlay action. How could we not here to wrap today's show? Let's go Felix minus six and a half games. Sinner minus six and a half games. A little all next-gen ATP. 2.0 parlay to wrap day number five of course with all of that said for our fantastic super producer daniel westoff and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i am your host alex gruskin you know what we say may the odds be ever in your favor good luck everyone